Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. What's up, everyone? And welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Tim Scheinman, the developer behind the titles such as Family, Rivals, and now most recently, Echo Beach. Tim, thanks for joining. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you because so you are actually the first developer that we have had on the show more than once. So congrats. It's an Thank indie you. pod first. It's it's a true honor. Thank you very much for having me back. And so quickly as well. Yeah. Especially well, last time. I mean, honestly, it's so quickly because you keep cranking out these games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but seriously, I'm glad you're back because your games always are a good brain teaser. Uh, they have great tunes. But Normally, I always start these off with being like, oh, you know, how'd you get into gaming? How did you start? But we kind of already know that if you've listened to the, the first episode. So really, what I want to know is kind of what, what's happened since we had our initial discussion. You know, you had, you had just released uh, Family and Rivals at that point. Uh, you were, I believe, going to, to, to college uh, at yeah. that point or starting university. You know, what's, what's happened since you, you've uh, last talked to us on the show? Well, it's, it's a true, it's a fairy tale. That's, that's what I put out that. I went to, uh, went to college, uh, did my master's, um, and then I actually kind of halfway through that um, whilst doing it, I just started working. So I started working first as a kind of, uh unity programmer and wow, okay. then uh Congrats. did a kind of stint as audio programmer and now uh, i do more ui centric stuff so ui uh, mostly in unity so i'm working uh, at the moment at a company called interior night who are making a game called as as dusk falls so just helping them oh, get ready for very beta. cool yeah, yeah so it's like a big uh ex quantic dream team uh doing narrative stuff so I, I do that as well and that's my day job and then in the meantime i managed to put out a few things um Almost all uh, indie related, but actually a game called Conspiracy, uh, which was um, uh, a very, uh, well, it wasn't fortuitously timed because I I knew what I was doing. I was being a little shit. I put out a game about you're the president's lawyer trying to figure out a deep state conspiracy. Oh, no. Put it out in early January. Uh, yeah, it got, it, it got good reviews, but it, it was, it was the right game. It was a bit hard. Um, I had a guy called John Ronson, who's a famous British journalist doing voice. So it was good. And then after that, um, I kind of doubled down on the indie thing. So I made a game called Copy, right? Oh, no, it's Copy, right? Uh, which is a game in which you, uh, analyze a set of songs, one by a kind of Ed Sheeran type character yeah, and work okay. out how he's copied three other songs. So you have to find, um, the similarities and stuff like that. Uh, so it's like a pure audio puzzle game. And then I made uh, Phoebe Bridges' Songcrafter quite recently. So if you oh, want to wow. create a, a sleepy indie hit in the style of Phoebe Bridges, uh, you can do that. And uh, 
That all sort of culminated with the thing which I've been doing for the last month and a half, uh, which is Echo Beach, which is um, the game which I'm putting out on October the 19th. Right, right. Jeez. So, man, I don't know how you do it. Um, you, It feels like it was just yesterday that we talked on, on the podcast, yeah. and yet you've already had like three games since that are are coming out like where you're you're going to school you're you're working a normal job you're also doing all of this on the side i know you have uh i believe you mentioned you had two kids you had just had a daughter uh when when we first talked where are you finding this time uh (laughs) yeah i certainly not on company time i mean of course I course. i work all day uh, <laughs> on my own, <laughs> on my long lunch breaks. I don't know. I mean, I think that like, um, I, I a lot of people like ask me this, and I was I, I used to be a bit more standoffish about this, but now I just have kind of say that I I think I'm a UI programmer. You know, I've I've managed to achieve what I I sometimes call Lucas Pope in reverse. You know, which is a, mm. a celebrated indie developer in search of stable tools. Uh, GUI pro- programming job. I've managed to achieve that dream. Uh, Lucas says he's very happy for me um, with a raised eyebrow. But like, uh, the <laughs> it's you know, I, I mean, I'm fairly familiar with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing, and I'm getting better all the time with it. So I, I often have a lot of tools that I can rely on. Things that I've done before. I essentially released the same game three times as well. So that probably that probably helped. But in terms yeah, of like yeah. content generation, I, this is a weird one. There's a few things that like I can do a lot faster or at least better at speed than most people and the the weirdest one is is writing songs and that's because i you know spent you know 15 years making music and writing lots of songs in bands and stuff like that so in terms of like you know i had a little joke with sam barlow the other day he's you know he's talking about immortality he says oh you know i've got all this footage you know i've got an original pop song i was like one one sam it's real good you know it's like i, I do I, I do have the ability to i mean it's very smug of me but he's you know sam bono and it? it's like you know have the ability to like crank out um quite a lot of music quite quickly and then i can also write quite a lot of dialogue and between the two if you're making a game which revolves around audio and text like you can you, you can you know find a way from a to b quite quickly without right. the art gumming up the pipeline too much you know right. uh, so i mean i guess i do have some tools which allow me to make stuff a little bit quicker and to follow my muse a little bit quicker um but then i guess it also comes down to personal preference i mean i was talking to chemo who makes uh, barbarians and um and he just likes to take a lot more time than i do mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and his stuff is much more finessed you know it, it looks great it's really well tested and you know i think shit i'm just an indie artist that's it i just i'm just a rough and ready (laughs) indie artist you know i'm not um i'm not the eagles you know i'm more like smog or something like that you know i don't mind if it comes out a little unvarnished you know as long as it starts a conversation i think right right that's my main kind of reason for getting stuff out quickly yeah and that's fine because that's a style right that's the the look and feel you're going for in a lot of ways yeah, I mean, I don't know that, like, the thing about games is, you know, it's, it's, it's very weird because, like, games industry is kind of a bit like where the record industry was, like, late 70s, early 80s. You know, there's a lot of money. It's very successful. They're shipping a product that sells and people love it. And it's really culturally, like, central. But there also this idea has crept in, you know, something that you wouldn't have found in the 60s of, like, taking years to make records, you know, and spending a right. lot of money on records and taking a lot of time and a lot of scope and bringing people on, you know. And it's kind of like there's a bit of me which totally understands that like that's my day job i work on games that are taking two and a half years three years 
10 mm-hmm. years, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that are not meant to end or whatever. But on a personal creator level, I find that totally alien. I could never, <sighs> ever do that. Like I could uh. never, like I have this sort of joke. Someone said like, what's your, what's your Ted talk? My Ted is how I demonetize the detective game. <laughs> you know, like Sam Barlow made her story. She's got a packet of money. You know, Lucas Pope never has to work again. You know, how did I manage to make so little money out of the detective genre? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's just like, yeah, I just, I, I would much rather release stuff a little rough and ready and a little faster and communicate the idea, you know, Bennett Foddy style than, than spend years and years and years on stuff and lose touch with my audience and not be able to chat with people about it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a conversation because you can mm. really interact with the players that are experiencing this game on a much quicker level of getting that feedback. And that could, you know, in in a way, what what it seems like you're doing is more or less building these small chunks, these iterations that are games that the idea of testing something and taking years Mm. to perfect it is more of as you're building these iterations these different games these smaller bite-sized chunks each Mm. one has that perfection that layer of what do i add next that someone didn't like in the first one or that someone had a problem with in the first one the second one right and over time you're building that perfection but you're doing it in a way where you're still releasing smaller games that people can enjoy at a faster rate. Yeah, I mean, look, if someone turns around and gives me like a packet of money for something, it'll be the overnight success that took years to to happen. You know what I mean? It's, it's right, one of those right. things where a lot of these games, for some people, they're quite well known, but for most people, they're just totally below the radar. They're cult indie games, you know, and that suits me down to the ground because I think I right. do, and I, I've, I've always felt this is a great art, a great artist needs a great audience. And I have a I don't know if I'm a great artist, but I have a great audience. Oh my God. You know, (laughs) like to go into the testing phase is one of the great pleasures of making games. And for most people, it's just appalling. But for me, because they're slightly smaller games, they're not going to be too broken. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. just fantastic because you get these incredibly bright people, you know, like, um, you know, because they're quite intellectual games, very, very engaged just talking to you about what the problems are and how they'd solve them. And most of the time, like I will take those solutions. I'll say, thank you very much. You know, I'll credit you to some extent. I'll credit you now right here, you know, and say, but like, uh, you know, the game completely changed. The ending completely changed. A lot of the systems, a lot of the UI changed just about as much as everything except the music changed in the testing phase. And that's something that you don't get to really have when you're making these big, long games, because by the time you get to testing, you're kind of locked in. To your yeah, vision. yeah, yeah, and I, I don't have to have that. Hmm. So, can you can you give us an example of like what what was a major change that happened for yeah, like the absolutely. recent one? Yeah. So, the test called a, a snail. Who I, I'm terribly sorry, I can't remember your name. They're from Israel. They were very, very, very useful, and they were one of the early testers. And I had mm-hmm. I, had, I had a single ending. Uh, I had a single ending, and they said, um, I don't like it. You know, I just, <laughs> okay. it doesn't feel right. You know, psychologically, narratively, it doesn't feel right. And we talked about what it could be. And then in the end, I thought, okay, actually, there's roots for multiple endings here. Spoiler, but there is there oh. are multiple endings for this game. And I just took it lock, stock and barrel. And I told them, you know, after I got it right, you know, and I said, this is a change that you, you'd affected. So, I mean, that's like 
So that basically changed the whole contour of the game. Um, that was like a massive one. I have a really, really important um, tester called Jet, who um, is quite amazing, actually. So he came on, uh, well, he was basically, you know, a commenter uh, on Family. And then on mm. Rivals, he was involved in a, a, an overhaul of the UI. He's a, he's a student. He lives in, he lives in Canada. Um, oh, very cool. And then in Conspiracy, he actually did some voiceover. He was the uh, voice of the Canadian Metric Society. And then on this one, he he sings. He does a song called Overcoat, which I don't oh, know if you've wow. heard. Oh, wow. Yeah, which yeah. Is the one which yeah. sounds like Bill Callahan. And yeah, he's just, he's like a top-notch tester. Like, not like a professional, but he has such a, he has so much feel. And he knows my stuff and he's been doing it for, well, a year now, you know, so completely dependable and cuts right through and just, yeah, picks up everything. And that, that's like, um, yeah, so, the, you know, the testers are, are everything to me. That's awesome. That's I I love the idea of this building a community. It's one of my favorite things about the indie game world is because it's a much in a lot of cases smaller uh you know audience uh, as far as like the 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 audience size that you'll see with something of those AAA studios. You get people who generally want to be there, right? Who are, mm-hmm. who want to be passionate, who want to build that game up, whether that be by giving great ideas or in this case becoming essential to a lot of the pieces that are the game itself yeah i mean like i'm maybe a little more democratic than some like of course course. if you want to be in my game you might well just get the chance like i've definitely had like amy uh who was in a conspiracy she actually uh, i knew she was an actress but i didn't know until she just she was retweeting on behalf of someone else so like Uh, she ended up doing like a really good part i mean often it's like uh I will switch things around. And and for Jet, I kind of knew what stuff he did. And I was like, I really want you to be in this game, so I'll just write you a song. You know, so I wrote him that song. Yeah, that's it, awesome. You know? So, like, yeah, it's cool, but that's what kind of keeps you going a lot of the time is to have something to push off. I couldn't deal with the isolation of um of very long, insular, costly projects, you know, and publishing right. is a bit of a death knell for that thing as well, because then suddenly you're just talking, you're taking your cues from the publisher rather than taking your cues from the audience, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's all right, but publishers are publishers, you know, they have their own priorities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's having to have anyone invested in it other than yourself means that you have to sacrifice a few of your decisions right there's nothing that you could do about it unfortunately yeah and just meetings just meetings meetings meetings, meetings you know so well, a lot of games development honestly it's, it's meetings you know, you know what but... it's really funny that you mentioned that because i just had a developer interview where i was talking to to the person and they started going off on this rant about like some of the tools that they use and i was like wow you're using the same like project management, boring person, you know, corporate America tools that I use. And mm. it sounds a lot like that, you know, most of what you're doing could possibly be a bit mundane, right? <laughs> you are familiar with the games industry. It's incredibly boring. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Very conservative, like more, much more conservative than like the education industry and this and that. The other like it is a very, very set in its ways, quite static industry at times it just happens to have a product it can sell right right i find it fascinating that it can be so vastly different when compared to what the product is 
Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing the games industry has always relied on to get people in is, you know, that we're cool. <laughs> but the, right. games industry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the games industry is full of nice enough people, but it's just, you know, it's just a job. I mean, and, and, right, and for at sure. the higher levels, it's incredibly um, industrial, mm. you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, plus also, you know, culturally speaking, you know, the games industry is a very technocratic sort of thing. It's, you know, we're, you know, good at making things with our hands to some extent. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, people are going to have the same sort of, you know, breadth of background of people who work in, you know, education or in health or in something like that. They're just people, right. you know, the games, the games industry is, I wouldn't say a particularly special industry to work in. It's just, um, you know, I guess if you like to make games, what I find really peculiar is there's a lot of programmers who don't really play games. I mean, that's, that's the thing where you hmm. really raise an eyebrow, you know, hardcore programmers yeah. very often don't play games at all, you know? Yeah, yeah, they just know the inner workings. Engineers. Yeah, you know, it's that conflation of engineering and programming. You know, it's right. like, I think uh, I think Ian Bogus talks about this in the Atlantic. You know, we'd like to pretend that we're engineers, like we can get certified and build some bridges and shit, you know, yeah. as opposed to just like break unity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a little bit, little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Well, no one's going to die if we introduce bugs. Yeah, you know I mean? that's, that's the hope. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway let's let's actually dive into the game though this has yep. been such a fantastic discussion but i'd love to talk about the game a little bit we are talking today about echo beach now uh you have a wide variety of games that all have i i'd say a very similar feeling and and uh similar style to them uh at their core but for those who maybe haven't played any of your games or haven't uh, don't even know what like an Oberdin like is, right? Mm. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Echo Beach is, is uh, as far as yeah. like the main theme and kind of what makes it special? It's a deductive puzzle game. Um, in the future, an unspecified date, all music has been banned from what we assume to be a sort of a future United Kingdom for productivity reasons. Um, and you're a clerk at the Ministry of Human Correction, and your job is to infiltrate something called MusicNet, which is a kind of bulletin board style system on which the last remaining musicians cluster, share music, gossip, and, uh, and talk about things generally. And it is your job to identify them through perusing their posts, listening to music and finding out clues, and mark them for arrest. And in each, you have... Um, eight days so the company is running a special competition to win a trip to echo beach california and you have eight days in which to arrest your subjects which you are given an increasing amount um every few days um mm -hmm. so yeah it's um it's a deductive puzzle game it's not actually an obra like an obra like is related to obra din and the idea with this is that in the Obra Dinn, you're looking at this kind of historical murder aboard the ship and you need to work out what's happened. And key to this is a book which has all the people in it who've disappeared and you need to fill in three deaths. And only when you have three deaths does it confirm. So mm -hmm. there's that kind of expectation gap between wondering if you've got it and then finding out that you have. My first three games, Family, Rivals and Conspiracy, all did that. They actually did with five, but Oberdin kind of does it with nine because it has three categories within each person. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, family was about identifying um, a family tree of lost uh, 80s uh, 
music scene. Uh, Rivals was about filling in uh, a book of chapters on two rival country musicians. And then Conspiracy is about uncovering a giant government conspiracy. And all of those worked with the get five right and then you get the next round and then you get new clues, much like uh, Obridin. This yep. is not the same. This is a much more traditional difficulty curve. Yes, yes. Stuff is parceled out in a much more gentle fashion. And my games previously were kind of known for being hard off the start because when you've got lots of people, you can actually get a bit overwhelmed by the information. And with this one, I do feel like we've worked the difficulty curve um, so that it starts quite a lot easier and then it gets very gradually harder depending on what your particular areas of expertise are. Yeah, 100%. This is one of the things that I first thought of when I was playing was, oh, I I remember, uh, you know, family rivals I got really into, but I remember family was harder for me to to jump into because it was very overwhelming at the start. Um, whereas with this one, I think a lot of things such as having that database where you could only really see five people at a time. Yeah. So you didn't get that overwhelming feeling of like, there's millions of people. How do I deal with this? Mm. Uh, and having only one person at the start to find. So it was easier to be like, oh, okay, I, I can understand what these message boards are. I, I get a feel for the area first. Was was this uh, a... a, a you know, choice that you had made because of player feedback from original games going into our whole discussion of, you know, the, mm -hmm. the games progressing and, and your craft becoming more uh, finessed based on just yeah. time and, and feedback? So, yeah, on a number of levels. So I think it's really, it's really interesting. So um, the first thing is that um, also actually one other thing to add is you actually have less pages you can go to right at the start. So you don't have the whole right. world open to it. It's, it's, I would call this almost an informational Metroidvania. The world opens up a little bit each <laughs> yes, time, doesn't that, it? You know, I love, I love that phrase. That is very true. It is exactly that. <laughs> it used to be more so because you used to have hyperlinks that linked between the two and you could only go down certain ones at certain times and stuff like that. We got rid of that because it proved too baroque, um, yeah. too hard to get around, but there was more of a Metroidvania element to it um, originally. The dark souls of information games but anyway um <laughs> did i think about this yeah i think so when i was making um conspiracy i was aware that i was making a very hard game and i think it was partly because i was working with testers who were very very clever and were very used to my games and also i was worried about you know catering to my fan base which ah. you know would become used to the style of games and were able to you know read the cues that i gave about looking stuff up on google and going to a calendar for this sort of stuff and some people really right. enjoyed it jesus i had a lot of university phd people really enjoyed conspiracy but for me it was a little hard there was also <laughs> um a review by a guy called lewis packwood um in a most agreeable pastime who's a really really cool journalist and he just said the difficulty curves upside down it's the same as in rivals um it starts too hard and then it gets too easy by the end because there's less people right and for this i thought i wanted to do two things one i wanted a really soft start a nice soft start and quite an extended soft start because actually really it doesn't get harder really until about the fourth day yeah. actually yeah, yeah, yeah but because you're getting more people the first ones are just one day and then two so actually it's more than half is properly challenging. It's just you get more days of, of ease to ease you in. Um, and and then also, um, yeah, I wanted to make it nice and soft right at the start with a really smooth onboarding if I could. And then, um, yeah, just make it just make it nice and accessible. It was and, and also get the difficulty curve right so it didn't become um, easier as it went mm -hmm. on. And actually, there was a real key to this because there's there's a problem tied up in that, which is... Um, 
to do with the fact that originally the game, I thought, oh, well, I'll do it Obra Dinn style and you can get everyone on the board. You can get everyone on the board in any order you want. Mm. But there's a problem with that which is they are the information givers as well, right? So right. I'll explain. So because these uh, these artists post up new things every day, what happens if you catch someone too early and you don't get the information that you need later? Because right. they've got to stop posting as soon as they're arrested, don't they? So <laughs> you can't do it that way. So you've got to siphon out information in a more controlled way. You can't just let people have whoever they want and yeah. do it Din style. So it's got to be more controlled. So in the end, I started going down this more designated route which I I still think it I still think it's fine. You know, I I, right, I think it's right. nice having something to focus on. You know, and not be like, oh my god. Yeah, and it also it adds a level of not not difficulty, but there's a a memorization that comes into play now because yeah. there were times where I was playing this, and I would I would figure out through association who someone was that I didn't need at the time, and I was like, mm. oh okay, I have to remember that Take it's this side. person, and I would have to put that aside because then I'd have to be like, okay, are, are they going to ask for that next one? Yeah. Or like, and then it becomes this. Elsie this... would be one, wouldn't it? You probably figured out. LC yeah. Yes. Early. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you also you find out the um, the boyfriend uh, just because of the address of the. Uh, I don't want to give the information, but of one of the characters that you have to to find early on in the game. Well, there's also actually, to to, to be honest, there's some end game clues which are sitting right out in the open, and you will never find them. <laughs> 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 oh my god, they are they are beyond in plain sight for you, and you've That's... interacted with them a lot of times before, and they are right there, the end game. So you're, I'm really happy with those. A lot of people say you're an absolute dick, but it's 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 a, it's a really it's a cool little mechanic you'll see right at the end of the game when you get there. Love it. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. You're definitely taking notes. I think you you you're probably at the stage having played a bit of him, played some of the other stuff that you start to recognize the language patterns for when something's being signaled, and there's always right. a lot being signaled all of the time. Most of the posts are clues. For yeah, some. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just very and little it's, fluff. But it's 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 good though because there's I I really enjoy seeing something where you you're always given those clues like you're mentioning and it becomes that game of okay I know this is important but I don't know why yet mm. right or like seeing something from a, a day earlier before you need to know that information and being like that looks something like I might use that at some point but probably not right now. And then you that's have what to... makes it the detective game, I think, because you can't quite see the edges of it, and that's mm-hmm. where the real detection comes in. That's when you feel really smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I wanted to take a step back because I, yeah. I mentioned this a little bit before of just you are going crazy when it comes to working on all this stuff. There's so much that's happening. You're creating mm-hmm. a ton of games, and you talked a little bit about your process and that you're you're able to quickly create a lot of the main core content that comes into this because the games are so centered around the music and the dialogue. Yeah. But, you know, what what is it about, uh, I guess, your drive? Or what was it about the story that you said, you know what, I've got a lot on my plate, but Echo Beach is a story I got to tell. Yeah, I mean, have you read the little thing on my itch page that I wrote? Yes, yes, I did. I wanted to dive what? into this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I should paraphrase this as well. I might just pull this up quickly. So essentially, to me, Echo Beach is actually a very, very personal uh, game because in this, you're actually, you're playing the bad guy. You're kind of playing a sort of, I don't know if you're familiar with the talented Mr. Ripley, but a kind of a, a Tom Ripley character, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. character called Cuckoo Song on the Net, which obviously it's a cuckoo in the nest, you know, and you're a 
kind of you're a desk clerk, you know, who's kind of one foot in, one foot out about the whole thing. And there's a real tension in your life about to what extent you can embrace this music and, you know, and how much you should be sort of towing to the man and the responsibilities of the the day to day. And, you know, to me, I think what I realized as I was making is that is that was very much how I kind of felt, you know, as a mm-hmm. musician who kind of had a family and got a job and this and that, the other, that I felt there was this tension between trying to be an adult and adulting as we, we call it here, you might call it that there as well. And, <laughs> and making art for pleasure. And, you know, what I've seen really in the last year is a real collapse of music, you know, the musical cultural industry, you know, where a lot of musicians have had to put aside, you know, the thing that brings them pleasure in a real sense and concentrate on, you know, making a buck or two. And I thought that, what Echo Beach I thought was about was it was about the protagonist's struggle, my struggle to be both an adult and an artist, mm. you know, and in this you'll you'll see the character goes through kind of paroxysms about that and you're kind of getting up to that sort of place right now and they, they do something which, you know, has has um complications. Yeah. Um and um yeah, it was it was kind of about that. And then it's you know, it's also about kind of the fact that we're living in a time, particularly in Britain, where the cultural um, industries have kind of been a bit decimated about about how we consume culture and whether we're kind of strip mining culture. You know, we're happy whilst we can consume it, but when it's gone, we'll wonder why it's not there. And you, you can really see that in music. You know, we don't have as many venues. We don't have, you know, money in the system. There's not much cultural support for musicians. So, you know, this is a very much about what happens when someone takes apart a community and what we miss when it's gone you know what right. i mean so right. it's kinda, yeah. so there's quite a lot lot of stuff going on in there on 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 a more metaphorical level um than you might expect actually you yeah, know for, yeah. for what it's about which is about a kind of 1984 style bad guy you know stasi kind of character <laughs> what's what's the main you know a, a lot of this goes into this is your personal struggle and how you feel right and yeah. and it's it's being written down into the the metaphorical level of the game but what's the message that you're trying to really instill among people like do you do you think that when people play this they'll kind of get that feeling and 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 understand that and maybe take something away from it or do you think that's more of just this is your story and people will probably see it at face value they do i mean i made the game donation only you know Mm -hmm. i mean that was Mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of there's an implicit challenge i think within the game if you're minded to it to say what is the value of the culture that i've just absorbed you know am i happy to just take it or leave it like the character and to use it as i see fit Hmm. or do i want to contribute you know i think that uh you know that's why i wanted to keep it donation only is because i think that is almost like a kind of final part of it but um in terms of like getting the message across, I think if I could convey something is that, you know, society talks to itself in many ways through song, right? You know, Mm. you think about the way, you know, people sing at sports matches and they sing, you know, in ritualistic fashions, they sing in church and in synagogue and in mosque, they sing at funerals, you know, they, uh, and then of course we have these pop songs, which, you know, maybe a little less than they used to, but they form the soundtrack of our lives. 
you know, mm, and I think mm-hmm. what I really want to kind of, and I hope to convey is just the sheer joy of making music and being around musicians and the worry mm. of what it's going to be like if that's gone, particularly in the case of this, in this game, you know, everyone's separated by their computers, which is exactly what's happened to musicians over the last two years. Right. You know, what have we lost by this, you know, this breaking down of this, uh, of this medium of this community. You know, I think that, I think a lot of, um, my games are kind of about sort of recapturing like the magic of both the art, but also the community and the interrelationships and stuff like that. And it's a lot about, they're more about the lives of musicians than they are about music per se. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So that's kind of a, a slightly wider take on it. Yeah, no, I I like it. I I love the fact that there's a lot more that meets the eyes when it comes to this game. Uh, that there's a much deeper meaning, and I just, you know, I just wanted to dive into that a bit because yeah, I think yeah. it is an interesting piece, and it's a topic that I, because you know, I'm not as in integrated into that community. I don't really think about as much, and it it hasn't been uh, as big of a like I I obviously I miss going to concerts when it comes to to mm. that level just because of what's happening right now in the world but more than that I probably wouldn't put much thought into it well now you can now I can <laughs> yeah. that's now you right. can yeah it's out in the world that's right let me let me ask you something about this because when it comes to this game and this might just be because yeah. you know it's it's more of your 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 process uh, expanding and getting more people involved with these games. But I feel like when it comes to family and rivals, which I'm uh, familiar with, unfortunately I'm not familiar with conspiracy, so I can't talk to this, but a lot of those games from a music perspective felt very uh, boxed into a, a genre or a type of, of time period with, with this music. Whereas this one felt a lot more open. And you would hear many different styles, uh, so to speak. Was that in, intentional at all? Is that more of just opening up to to the theme of this game, or is that something going forward that you're trying to achieve in a lot of these types of games that you're creating? Right. So, like, family is like a period piece. Um, so it's based around. I mean, there's an expansiveness if you really care about eighties <laughs> indie. You'd be like, oh, well, it's, it's a of bit course, like talk, talk and the Smiths, you know. But within itself, it's not. It's not a broad thing. And then fam and rivals is even narrower because it's really about a conversation within country and alt country about you know the right. the old Dylan thing. You know, we're going to go electric with this thing, uh, and, and that's what rivals is about. With this one. Yeah, so it takes in, I mean, the kind of premise I said is that it's about people quite a bit in the future who are obsessed with what they call the retro revolution of about 2005 to 2025, you know, which is uh, really you're thinking from like the strokes to, well, into the future. And the music takes in some pretty close parodies of Taylor Swift, Phoebe Bridges, Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. Charlie XCX, Haim, then quite a few others. and then some less obvious ones, and there's obviously a certain amount of uh, My Love of Elliot Smith comes through, particularly on Riley's um, tracks and stuff like that. I mean, some of this came off a failed musical project. I think that's probably worth saying, is that some hmm. of these tracks came off a, a, something I was making with Hattie, who was on Family, called Future Record Leaks, okay. which um, it was meant to be, we were going to make records that were essentially uh, deep fakes of artists a few years in the future. 
So like, what's Lord making a few years in the future? What's Taylor making a few years in the future? And there's at least quite a few of these songs, which you could probably guess the artists they're based on if they don't reference it directly themselves, Uh which are drawn from that. And then I kept Hattie on a few of them and then I had to get other singers for the others. So there was an embrace of a slightly greater diversity or they're mostly a diversity of white girls, you know, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in there. So yeah. And, th- and then I expanded it out a little bit, um, into a slightly more seventies feel for some stuff. And then, uh, jet has that much more indie, uh, song, uh, overcoat and there's bits and bobs. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely broader. And I-, I kind of wanted it to be a kind of like, um, a sort of summary of indie music. You know, and that's the yeah. thing is it's almost like a sort of keynote on where indie's at right now um, and stuff like that and what people might look back on from this time and, and what they, you know, might glom onto. So there's kind of a, it's a kind of, a, yeah, there's a little bit of a state of the union in there mm-hmm. um, on different indie trends and stuff like that without being um, massively genre-tastic and stuff like that. But there was definitely times at which I was like, this needs something more. Oh, this needs a Mac DeMarco kind of style psychedelic thing. And that is actually the thing which Cookie Song produces. That was me sitting down and being like, we need a kind of, um, oh, what's that song by Mac DeMarco? Viceroy. You know, that one. It sounds Uh like Viceroy. Uh, You know, and like, we we need a bit of something like that. So yeah, yeah, it was, I was definitely trying to be more expansive than, um, than the others but that's because the others were based around very narrow worlds they're about people who live in this very small cultural space and a lot of the debate particularly in rivals is about you know how to negotiate that tiny cultural space right right no i i enjoy the idea behind one uh it speaks to your speed is reusing content that you had already you know uh tried out and being able to say like well that didn't work in this one area, but for yeah. this game, it would be perfect, you know, and this, this builds upon, uh, just giving you that, that slate to, to build up what you already have. Mm, mm. So the, the reusability is great. And two, um, I really enjoy this idea behind having the multiple voices, the multiple people that you're now bringing on. So the idea of, you know, the, the, the commenter, the tester who then becomes the singer or uh, reaching out to these other voice actors. What is that, what is that process like? Um, you know, you kind of mentioned it that if you really want to be a part of of (laughs) your games, you'll generally do some, obviously there's probably stipulations where like, uh, you need like a good uh, quality audio setup or whatever it might be, but it seems like you're very open to this. How has the process been? Have have you just been like a call to action of like, hey, does anyone want to be the voice oh, yeah. of like what is that process for I you? Do, I usually just tweet or I stick it on my board. I've got, I mean, for like, I've got a Fiona Thrail who is Lucy in Rivals, and then she did the main thing in copyright, and she's done some stuff in Conspiracy as well. She's always a good shout out because she has all her Am Dram friends who do that. So voice acting is always very easy. Um, singing is a little more tricky. I generally, I keep using, you know, it's, I mean Hattie, I've known for twenty years, and I want to use her on all my projects, and I don't want to have a musical project that I don't use her on in some respects, unless there's a very particular reason for it uh riley i mean just you know i mean delta right that just sounds it's just ridiculous his voice he's mm-hmm. always sings that song harvest moon it's just the most beautiful um velvety thing you, i mean how can you not um and then we used a couple of fiverr musicians actually tina and Liv, um 
Liv is uh, she does Los Angeles and she does um, the Lana Del Rey style one by Future Perfect, and then Tina does the big belter ever been, and I mean they're just five professionals, you know. So sometimes you have to just carefully source the right person and make right. sure they, you know, their showreel matches. I mean, I've, I've, you know, certainly I've had like situations where stuff just doesn't quite feel right, but of if I possibly can, I'll. I'll try and rewrite it around the person. If I can keep oh, wow. it okay. if I can keep it working and I can find something in their performance that works, or I know what they're capable of and I can write to them, then I'll try and make it work. Cause yeah, yeah. yeah I just fuck it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like going for fucking job interviews. Like I just like yeah. it's never like this. You know, I used to run a business and it's like if someone came and they were keen and they thought I could vaguely do it and there wasn't a pressing reason why not, fuck it. Close the interviews there. Just give them the job. You know, it's like people uh-huh. deserve a they deserve a chance. Like like I you know, I do all these job interviews and people are, like scrutinizing me and they're looking me up and down and like, mm, you haven't got a lot of experience here. <laughs> What's your favorite animal? Answer carefully. It's like fuck off. Just give me the fucking job. You know? Yeah, like and yeah. that's that's what I just kind of rant over. But I that's what I honestly feel with a lot of this stuff is if you you know, if you're keen and you've got a modicum of talent, what the fuck do you think we're doing here? You know, we're just like Right, right. It's like games. Just just come on you know it's gonna be fine you know like i think i haven't used about three people that have asked to do something before. oh well that's yeah <laughs> so, um... yeah no i just i think i think to be honest like as a person like i'm all about like including people and i'm not into like going into myself and if i can <clears throat> use somebody for something which is good which brings them a bit of joy and brings me a bit of joy that's going to be why i do it not because I sit back and think, oh, this art is just fantastic. It's just because these are puzzle games. I don't actually genuinely know if this is a fantastic game or not. In many ways, it doesn't matter. What matters is what Polygon and Eurogamer and Buried Treasures say, because honestly, when I was testing family, people were like, eh, it's all right. It's okay. Oh, it's a bit weird, <laughs> you know? And then yeah. people were like, journalists were like, this is fantastic. It's a game about journalism. We're the heroes, the real heroes, you know? And some uh-huh. people were like, oh, families what what a game you know lucas pope he's like tim's got a great game they're like lucas whatever is the papal blessing you know and it's like yeah yeah. you know i'm not saying that i mean lucas is wonderful and he's just a lovely tweet for me and it's it's fantastic and he's so generous but like the point is that like i don't honestly know when i launch these games if they're great and i'll never ever get to experience them as a player because i know all the puzzles i don't get to have that voyage of discovery so at the end of the day I test them, I make sure they're good, but I want to have, you know, the rest of it is, it's like being in a band, you know, the music's important, but what's just as important is the drinks and the hanging and the chats and the van, you know, that's, that's what's, that's what matters here, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's all about the process as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting point you raised where you aren't able to experience the game on the same level as anyone else in the world, right? Because... Those puzzles are already from your mind. You're never going to be stumped by them. You're always going to know the answers. And for you, you have a different perspective when it comes to what you think is hard and what you think is easy because Mm -hmm. you can't sit there and not know the answer and try to come up with it. You work from it in a backwards way. So what is your process when it comes to considering like especially with our conversation around the difficulty curve and trying to, Mm -hmm. to fix that, right? How did you sit down and say, okay, 
this is a hard thing to do. This is an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. What is what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a really simple answer to this, which is it's, it's chains of complexity, right? So let's take let's take a puzzle in mind, okay? And we'll use some of the paradigm of the game, uh, which is there's ID cards which have name, date of birth, job, and address on there. So you need to, uh, you know, let's say that you need to find out the name of someone and you know I, there's an early puzzle uh, where the, uh, it mentions that this is actually very close to their real name so someone gives away the real name right find one piece of information does it and then the next puzzle up is going to be you need to find out where somebody lives but you can't find out directly where they live you need to find out where someone who lives with them live right or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that well you know <laughs> but like uh it's that's two pieces of information that you need to put together. And then the next one might be two pieces, but one piece requires some looking up. Or the next one might be three pieces of information, which one person knows something about somebody else, which also relates to something over there. So you end up with these chains. And because you're viewing these flat on, you don't necessarily know until you've linked them in your mind that these things are linked. They're not right. in serial to each other. They don't have arrows pointing to each other. You have to glimpse their potential. In the same way as with Obradin, you see, oh, well, he was there and the shoes and the thing. And that's what, you know, so you have these kind of chains of complexity whereby you need more information to be able to work something out properly, or the information is harder to come by. You know, it requires closer spotting. Sometimes it's about where you put it. So if I bury something in the middle, or I put it in the middle of a load of posts that really have nothing to do with anything, that's a hard one because you get clutter blindness in my yeah. games you stop seeing the stuff you'll find that right at the end you'll find something around your nose um and you're like oh my god you know so like <laughs> um so you can bury them for more for more difficulty now i don't you're probably gonna ask do i grade them do i actually grade them on complexity i do not mm. but testing reveals all of that stuff and i do tend to switch stuff up i generally also have a rule which is if you think it's hard make it easier um so mm because of the Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, the curse of knowledge, if I know how to work it out, um, I probably know enough about everything that it's going to be quite obscure to someone. I mean, there's some musical stuff which comes later, and you don't even need the music. It infers that you can use the music, but you don't need the music for it. There's a whole load of non-musical clues in there as well. So yeah, like, there were right. there were a couple of places where I had to look up what certain things meant because I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what any of this is. Yeah, so that's how you... The original question was, how do you, like, grade difficulty and stuff like that? There's, there's a, yeah, I've put in a lot of hard yards now on, like, how to create uh, logical puzzles and how to hide them in prose and audio. <laughs> so, you know, there's, it's, it's a feel. You do get a feel for it after a while as well. Like, you get a sense of what how to signal stuff as well. That's really important. Like, if you hide it too well, you end up with a hand with many fingers, which is, like fine uh but i don't think it's a particularly great detective game and i think one of the reasons why is it doesn't have it doesn't curve its language toward the player it's a little too po-faced for my tastes like you know it's cool but like just doesn't tailor to the player enough it's too straight you know and and you need it needs to it's a game we're playing here you know a lot of my clues are like birthdays you know there's a bit of me sitting about like lucas pope has this in obrid and he says there's too much bloody magic in that game you know what, right. what's with all the bloody magic you know it's because i had to kill all these people so they're getting killed by like crabs and wizards and shit and mermen you know it's like there's so much magic and for me it's like oh there's so many birthdays like so many suspicious birthdays 
know, how did he manage to nail everyone by their birthday? And yeah. why is everyone talking about their birthday constantly? You know, it's like, it's like madness, but it's a game. Right. At the end of the day. Yeah, it's a construction. You know? Right. I have two final questions yeah, for yeah. you. <laughs> Um, the, the first one is tailored around the fact that, which you already mentioned, this is a donate, uh, you know, pay for your price type of game, which is on itch.io. And I think that uh, I kind of, am going to answer this a little bit for Mm -hmm. you because I I feel like this is just the nature of the beast, right? Your, uh, game before this conspiracy was on steam. Mm Mm-hmm. Family and, family and Rivals, I don't, I believe maybe Rivals was on Steam. Rivals was Family's Free, so there's... Family, there. right, okay. But this one is not, is this solely just because of the fact that I, I don't think there's a way to do the pay your price model on Steam? Or is uh, there a bigger reason for walking away from it and going to yeah, just itch.io? Yeah, there is, yeah. I mean, definitely for like a donation game, I'm not sure about the Steam stuff. It was a cost to put on Steam, although, and you know, it's, that's not a major thing. I just... I find the whole Steam process exhausting. Like, mm. I just think, like, you have to do all this header stuff. You have to do all this custom artwork for the library. Um, it's just so exhausting getting stuff ready for Steam. And it has to get reviewed. And it goes through reviews. And it fails reviews. And you have to do SDK pushes. And it's just, like, it's not It's not so hard. I've done it a few times now. And, like, definitely financially it's worth it. But, like... With this, which is a donation model, I feel like people are going to get it more on itch because I think itch, this is what itch is about. Right. Yeah. And it's not what Steam is about. And Steam is more about like, like if you read Steam reviews, it's mostly people talking about like how the ratio resolution didn't scale and stuff like that. <laughs> and with itch, they'll be talking about how their dog died. You know, it's like yeah, I yeah. have like one of my dearest things is my family's comment section from itch. You know, which was when people were like, where can I find these bands? Yeah, these aren't real bands. You know, the early yeah. ones and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, oh god, that's that's the stuff. You know, so yeah, no, I think Itch <laughs> is a much much better platform for indie. It's got very little red tape. Spencer and um, and the main guy will help you. They will get it up, uh, you know, on the main page. It's very you can charge through Stripe. You know, you can get the money into your account very quickly. People will donate more freely, and it's just. It's your it's your neighborhood comic book store. It's just a better mm. place to be, you know. Mm. It's um, it, I'm not gonna say it's the the future. It's not. It's a future. It's it's, it's or it's a platform. I think I think itch is like um, yeah. It's it's. I think it's the best thing to happen to indie gaming. Wow. Ever mm. ever because you know it's the, it's got all the jams and stuff as well. It's just got this incredible um, it's the most incredible incubator for developers of all stripes of all levels and if you can do something on it you should do something on it that, that's what i think and i just think that for this sort of thing i just don't want to have a, fr- a free game up on steam with people complaining about how there isn't an options menu like that's just not <laughs> it's just not where my head's at you know right what I mean? right yeah i get it it's a different it's a different audience base it's a different type of um headspace i guess when yeah. it comes to what they're going to to complain or to to yeah. have that conversation about so it makes sense I'm, i mean there's one other very important thing actually which is a technical thing is that because of the way that mac has gone you now need to get notarized builds um for all modern macs oh, okay which is hard uh, <laughs> it means you can't put a mac build on steam very easily without going through a lot of app store hoopla um, gotcha 
and I wanted a web version for this. So the other thing which you won't have played is there will be an HTML version and it will be exactly the same as the PC version, which means that all Mac players can play. It's only a 50 megabyte file. So uh, all Mac players will be able to play it on their browser as well. Very cool. Very cool. Mm. That's exciting. And then the last thing that I want to ask, which is just to wrap this up, I ask this every time and I asked last <laughs> time, so it's going to be a little bit different this time. Um, but I generally just ask for for advice, right? For people in the industry, those who are talking on this podcast, obviously have a game or are working on a game. Uh, mm. And it really, I just wanted to go into you know, I originally asked for general advice last time from you for for those people that are interested. Oh, but now, <laughs> you know, what have you? Yeah, like what have you since you've spent all this time? You've now have you know that Unity job. You now have multiple games under your belt. What's probably the one biggest thing that you can take away from this process? Um, honestly, like this isn't gonna. <laughs> I I don't know how profound this is, but I would say like it's not. I mean, I've had a very, you know, for all of this kind of purported success, I've had a very very rough, you know, time since then. I had, you know, contract woes after contract woes. I lost my first job in two weeks. You know, not wow. for my fault. There was stadia collapse. You know, it's very affecting mm-hmm. to me. Went through all sorts of issues, and you know. And to be honest, the thing which has got me to the place where I'm feeling creative and buzzy is, you know, dealing with you know, the mental health side of things, which right. came up, you know, from the pandemic, having kids, because, you know, you're doing a lot of creativity. And the assumption is that, you know, someone who's doing that is is happy in this, either that or they're tragically driven, you know, and because mm-hmm. I don't seem like that, that I'm some sort of, you know, Zen master. It's absolutely not the case. And I think the place that I'm at now I can enjoy the art that I'm making because I, you know, took some therapy. I saw a doctor. I took it easy. I took a few holidays when I could, you know, and I didn't plug all of my time into just, you know, worrying about programming and stuff like that. And and it's come a lot easier since then. So all I would say is probably the same thing that everybody else is saying to everybody else, which is just, you know, success is one thing, but, you know, the games industry and your next game can wait you know, take, take some time for yourself. If you can, you know, take a little break, take the pressure off. If you need to see a doctor, see a therapist, talk to someone about it and just make sure that your mental health is tip top. Because if you're going to spend a lot of time on your own with a computer, trying to make stuff work, you know, you want to make sure that at least when you've made it, that you can feel proud and feel some ownership about it, you know, and that took me, that took quite a lot of work, you know, for me to get to that place. And I, I would hope that, you know, if you put anything first, it's got to be just, you know, mental health and happiness. Wow. Wow. I think you're the first person that has mentioned something outside of the space of, you know, (laughs) the, the normal idea of, you know, take this course or just get started or, or other things, but actually bringing it away from the space that you would constantly think of, of just work, 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 which I think totally makes sense. You know, there's, there's the obvious you want to build something, you want to create something, but if that is killing you from a perspective of, you know, maybe not that exaggerated, but like it's wearing you down, you need to yeah. take that break and be willing to say, I need to recharge or I need mm. to find a way to to bring back that motivation that might not be in the same space. Yeah, I mean, I think that like, you know, uh, 
if your ambition overruns you, it means that, you know, if you, you get some success, but as soon as that success gone, it's on to the next, on to the next. And it's certainly something I experienced, particularly with like rivals and stuff is, you know, it got some really cool reviews, you know, it got Polygon, it got Vice, it got a lot more than a lot of people, you know, would hope to get. And that was great. Um, but, I, you know, there was almost a splitting effect between the person who was making that game and the person who was sitting at home watching the press come in feeling, you know, worried that the next review wouldn't come in and what it would mean and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I don't think that I ever really truly enjoyed that game for what it was, which was a really interesting hip piece of art, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like, uh, certainly the first video game made about Wilco, you know, so it's like... Uh, I don't think I really had the chance because I think at that point, you know, I was feeling anxious about, you know, getting into the industry and my ambition, you know, was to to be whatever. And and because of that, it kind of spoiled it a bit for me. And what I'm trying to do with Echo Beach a bit more is just try and enjoy the fact that I've made this, you know, pretty cracking game, I think, you know, and some <laughs> people will enjoy it and some people won't, you know, but right. that's, that's for the birds, you know, because it's part of my development as well. And at the end of the day, it was yeah. a month and a half and it's free, you know. What yeah. the hell do you want? So yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> did you like the songs, by the way? I did. Yeah, I. Any that favorite? was. I I failed to mention it, but that was one of my points of having the the more break uh breakthrough of of not being yeah. tied to that that one genre or that one time period of having the yeah. more variety in it. I did enjoy because it gave me the opportunity to be like oh, I'm not really into this song, but this one I am. And then going yeah. through and getting more tracks mm-hmm. as you're listening, I thought was was phenomenal. Yeah, and it's about contemporary music as well. I mean, the other th- weird thing about like games people is we're not cool. Like, <laughs> as in we don't, we're not actually into contemporary stuff. It's like everything's like, maybe games, but like everything else is from like, you know, present company accepted from, you know, our childhood and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and it's actually quite rare to meet gamers who like listen to modern indie music is quite unusual you know yeah, so, yeah. Uh, i think uh it was nice to do something contemporary and and to dig into like contemporary music rather than couch it in a period piece right and stuff like that you know right and i i enjoy it too because uh this happened in in uh especially for family with you mm-hmm. where you had created these fake bands and people were like oh i want more of this band and you're like well they don't really exist but and that was part of the comment section of you yeah. giving them like this is who this uh band is based off of this is this yeah. band and giving them that like do you want more in this world and being able to be like go listen to these people they make music that is very similar to what i had created yeah absolutely like go and listen to uh the cocteau twins like that's you know you want a whole album <laughs> luckily <laughs> lucky for you elvis costello did make imperial bedroom and all i had to do was imagine an alternate universe version of it you know right. with this stuff i think yeah i mean if you want if you like boyfriend sweater you can listen to folklore you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean it's not as good but uh <laughs> 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 i think it's just Jack freaking Antonoff, he's just produced, was it Lord, Lana, Taylor? It's just not good enough. It's just, you just look around sometimes, you say, it's not good enough. You know, Mark Ronson, Jack Antonoff, they're just not good enough. You know, but, and they rule the roost. But 
one day, one day I'll have them all. <laughs> uh, one day. <laughs> when but, the revolution comes. Yeah. But for today, uh, for those yes. listening, Echo Beach, as of the time that this episode goes live, will be available on itch.io. This game is free, but I'm sure Tim would greatly appreciate any donations. If you think you had a fun time with it, definitely give them, you know, what you think the game is worth. That's basically what uh, you're saying on the itch page. But yeah. once again, Tim, thanks for joining. Thanks very much.